The power of the digital platform is not 1990s TV advertising broadcast, taking my product that maybe 98% of you don't want, but if I get in front of enough people, at least 2% of you will want it. That's not the digital platform. The digital platform is about relevance. It's about being able to give you what you're looking for at the time you need it most. Welcome to One Next Step, the practical business podcast that helps you run your business so it stops running you. I'm LZ. Elsie, it's so good to be with you today. I'm Ryan. Hey, Ryan. I love it when we are together. Today, I'm going to be talking to Nathan Art about engaging people in a digital world. Nathan is the founder and president of Ministry Solutions. He's also the author of a new ebook, Target Corp and the Flexible Church. I can't wait to hear your conversation with him about what businesses and churches can learn about engagement from Target. LZ, before we dive in, I want to take a quick moment to tell our listeners about Belay. With modern staffing from Belay, businesses and leaders can focus on growth without the unnecessary overhead or learning curves associated with hiring and onboarding full-time employees. Belay is the incredible 100% remote organization revolutionizing productivity with our virtual assistants, bookkeepers, and social media managers. Accomplish more, juggle less, and get back to what only you can do growing your business with modern staffing from Belay. And now let's jump into our interview with LZ and Nathan. All right. So I was just sort of chit-chatting about um, my experience at Elevation and how, you know, kind of their whole goal was to get unchurched people to come to church. And then you started to kind of drop this on me about what, what the next thing is. And I want to capture that. So yeah. can you go back and sort of talk a little bit about it? Well, yeah, it's beautiful. So I was, uh, and as I was saying, like, I was, I'm not a church person. I didn't grow up going yeah. to church, um, wasn't a Christian. And, you know, so, so for me, this whole study is really looking at like, uh, just these big companies and what they're doing to be relevant to people who aren't currently shopping at their stores. Yeah. And so, you know, 20 years ago for church, it was that we want to be the church that unchurched people love to attend. Mm -hmm. Right. And that meant that we're going to bring you into a physical environment that looks and feels differently than the church that you grew up going to or didn't grow up going to. But it, it's a it's a yeah. relevant, meaningful expression that looks a little bit like other places that you spend time during the week. And so that was very successful. And but what's happened is being being the church that unchurched people love to attend, what, what's happened with the digital platform and evolving human behavior is that the words to attend now mean something different than they did 20 years ago. There was a recent study that 82% of Generation Z has a relationship with someone that they have met virtually mm -hmm. that they have never met in person. Wow. Right? And so for Jen, for us, like growing up, you think, well, well there's an online relationship and then there's a real relationship. Right. That yeah. is not how people think anymore. They, yeah. they think of relationships, at least in this younger generation. And so people can have meaningful relationships and they can attend things without actually being in the room. But our models, right? So we are so married to our models, sometimes even more than our mission, people start attending differently. Mm -hmm. But we are still trying to get them to come to this environment that looks like it did. So the problem with the attractional church model is that it worked. And so we're no longer replacing what church used to be. That is mm -hmm. now what people think of when they think of church. Oh, right. And so the yeah. person who doesn't <laughs> want to come to church doesn't want to go to an environment where there's great music or there's things. I have that. If my church is going to be meaningful to me, 
it's going to help me with relationships and it's going to be a safe place for me to go. Um, we read so much in the Bible about what happens when people feel shame and then, that, and then they hide. And a lot of what the digital platform does, uh, well, shame, shame will teach us that there is safety and anonymity. So when I'm going through something or I've done something, or I'm struggling with something, um, you see this with Adam and Eve, you see this kind of throughout, is that the, the first response is to kind of hide. If you could see me, you couldn't love me, right? And the right. digital platform's great because it provides that safety. It provides mm -hmm. that opportunity to plug in and engage. But I'm in control of the relationship. I don't have to go to an unknown building. I don't have to, I, I can get out if I don't like it, right? It, it creates yeah. a safety for people. The problem is, is that we're trying to take our Sunday morning room, our, mm -hmm. our auditorium, and just simply put it online. And what sure. you're doing, and I don't, I don't mean to be like too uh, forward in this opinion, but what you're doing is you're taking a product that people already don't want and you're making it worse. Yeah. By, by commoditizing an in-person experience and putting it online. I have a friend of mine that says, it's like recording a play and calling it a movie. <laughs> oh, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a huge Hamilton fan. And when they tried yes. to take Hamilton and put it on Disney, I'm like, no, 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 no. I saw it live. It's way, way, way better. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's not the same. I promise to get to the real content, but I don't want to miss this now uh, because I feel like there's somebody out there who who needs to hear this. Is that to your point when you're struggling with something or you're or you're not sure if you're lovable? What the current social media platform has done is it's taught us that transparency is okay as long as you have that veil. Mm -hmm. And so I find that some of my unchurched friends are getting that connection that I found. I, I just told you I was saved in in 2001 that they're actually getting that connection from unchurched people instead of going to the church. Like I knew that I needed Jesus. And so I was searching and searching and searching. I had a little bit of understanding of what Christianity meant from, you know, Sunday school going with my grandparents, but it, I, I wasn't a regular attender. I didn't have that in my life. But when I needed it, I found it in church because I couldn't find that love because we as individuals weren't that transparent back then. Right. Right. It, it, going through the 90s, you just didn't show up and go, you know, today's really bad day for me. You showed up in the office and you put on your smile and you pretended everything right. was okay. Now right. we've gone, which is beautiful. Now we've gone to this environment where you can just show up and say, I don't feel good. And this is what's going on. And people rally around you. And mm -hmm. so I think that the church has to do a better job of meeting where the unchurched is giving love to the unchurched. Hey, listen, this is a perfect segue into today's conversation. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, Nathan, we are super happy to have you here, obviously, because thank I'm rambling so on. And so um, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we're going to jump into kind of a fun question. Let's make it lighthearted. We got deep okay. into this. Um, what would your final meal be if you had to choose one? Well, that might be that might literally be the easiest question you could possibly ask me. It would be, <laughs> okay. it would be chicken wings. Uh, oh. Very, very hot chicken wings, habanero sauce, melt running down your arms, wow. messy, and as spicy as you could possibly make them. That would be my last meal. Wow. I love that. Now, do you make chicken wings often? <laughs> uh, probably way too often. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I am a fan for sure. That's so fun. That's so fun. Well, the, how we got off on this conversation was really starting off with the idea that um, you started digging into Target. Um, we're mm -hmm. all very familiar with Target Corporation, but you talk about some of the disruption that was going on at Target back in 2014 in your new ebook. Um, yeah. what's, what's causing that? 
Well, you know, very similar to what we were just talking about, um, human behavior was changing. The way that people mm -hmm. engage was behaving, and retail really saw a split. The, the digital platform, it forced people to either double down on your existing model and make it work, or recognize that this is a change in the way that people interact uh, with brands, um, interact even with each other, uh, not just mm -hmm. brands, um, but a lot of relevance is is tapping into existing human behavior, not trying to change it or create it, right? So Target recognized, I mean, I'd love to sit in the boardroom, right? So 2014, yeah. they're a distressed stock and they're talking about closing stores and Brian Cornell, who um, ended up in 2019 uh, being named the CEO of the year, which is pretty cool. But he's a brand new guy. And I can just imagine him walking into the boardroom. And in fact, one of the things that they recognized in the beginning was the biggest challenge for them to adapt was internal, not external. Mm. That internally, they had to get on the same page about wanting to change or double down, right? And so yeah. I think he started with questions like, hey, you know, why do we have 140,000 square foot stores? And somebody raises their hand and they say, well, here's the thing. Uh, people, if you don't know this, Mr. Cornell, uh, people during the week, they make shopping lists and uh, they keep them sometimes <laughs> on their fridge. And then everyone does all their shopping once a week. And so we have to have a store big enough to have all of what those people need at one time, which also means we have to have a really big parking lot and serve a really big radius. Yeah. I can now imagine him just asking, well, do people still do that? Is that how people right. still <laughs> shop? Right, right. Huh. Huh. So, so maybe our mission to provide a high quality service and product and our method and how we deliver it, we can actually separate those two conversations. We can keep our mission alive, mm -hmm. but our method can change. And I think he gave permission to the people at Target to say, hey, let's, that, that's, not the, that's not how people are interacting. And so if we want to be relevant to people, we have to, mm -hmm. we have to shift. And and how we um, and how we want to to interact with them. So the cool story is, uh, 2014 distressed stock. They're looking at closing stores. Five years later, they are back to being the sixth highest producing revenue retailer in the United States, with plans wow. to open 500 new stores, uh, revenue increases of four or five hundred percent, and all that sounds really really great. The thing that stands out to me that is that is the biggest thing to really dive into is this fact. There are four, if you take out Apple, mm -hmm. which is, there are four retailers listed in the top 10 online retailers in America who also have a brick and mortar presence. So throw out okay. Amazon, Wayfair, Etsy, and you have Home Depot, Target, Walmart, and Macy's. And what's interesting is out of those four, they're in the top 10 largest online retailers in the U.S., and not a single one of them sees more than 10% of their revenue online. Whoa. Yep. No so way. What, yeah. And, and what's fascinating wow. about this is this whole conversation of cannibalization that a digital platform is a competing platform. And its intent is to become a broadcast channel or to take a, a, an in-person product and commoditize it by placing it online. And the reality is, it's not that at all. And, and the fact, the more these companies focused and grew their digital platform, the more mm -hmm. it created a desire for a tactile experience from the people uh, with whom they were engaging. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, what parallels do you see from that with churches and companies? <laughs> this will be uh, this will be the first six hour podcast. Um, <laughs> I think I think that is a concern. <laughs> yeah. 
there, there are so many. There are so yeah. many. I think, I think this is it because you'll hear this word. Um, you'll hear this word hybrid. Um, and I'll, I'll start by saying this. You mm-hmm. don't hear that word from Target and you don't hear that word from Home Depot. This is a word that people will use to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of times hybrid, people think of taking a product and then selling it across different distribution channels. So mm-hmm. like an iPhone, if I can buy it in person and online, that's a hybrid model. I don't agree with that. I think a hybrid model starts with the idea that you have different platforms to engage with different audiences, which mm-hmm. require different organizational strategies. And so uh, a, a true kind of approach to this target model and Home Depot, we did a big deep study on Home Depot as well, um, was not to answer the question of how do we get people who already shop at our stores to have a more convenient experience. Mm-hmm. The question was, how do we become relevant to the people who don't shop at our stores? And um, I wrote this in the book, and I think that it's a lot to camp out on. But I think the big thing that differentiates uh, these companies from the Sears and the JCPenney's of the world who are going out of business is everyone, and churches especially, right? We look mm-hmm. at the yeah. digital platform as a means of convenience. What Target figured out was the difference between convenience and relevance. Wow. Convenience is taking something. And, and making it more available. But no one ever said they wanted that. In fact, I think that's the biggest problem that people have with church right now is that we want faith, hope, and love. We want connection. We want meaningful things. But I'm going through a divorce or I'm dealing with de- dependency and you want to invite me to a building at a certain time to hear a guy talk about generosity. How is that relevant to me? <laughs> right, oh, wait, yeah. you'll put it online. So you're going to take something I didn't want mm-hmm. and then make it worse. Great. Sign me up for that, Right. Yeah. What what the what the digital platform represents? There's really two reasons the digital platform is um, so meaningful, and one is it allows us to get to know people. One of the big myths about mm-hmm. digital is that um, we don't get to know the people, and I would actually make the argument that the opposite is true. Um, I can meet with someone for a year. You can meet with someone for a year and ask them how they're doing and what's going on, but and learn what they want you to know about them. But give me that person's Google search history. Hmm. Right, their purchasing history, their calendar, whatever it is. So the digital platform is interesting because it actually helps us get to know people better. Mm -hmm. Um, And the second thing is the the power of the digital platform is um, not 1990s TV advertising broadcast, taking my product that maybe 98% of you don't want, but if I get in front of enough people, at least 2% of you will want it. Mm -hmm. That's not the digital platform. The digital platform is about relevance. It's about being able to give you what you're looking for at the time you need it most. No, I think there's so many uh, common points here because, you know, Belay, we got started in December of 2010, Mm -hmm. 100% remote. We've never had a brick and mortar. And at first, we tried to sell our services to the traditional marketplace. So Mm -hmm. those who were going to an office every day and expected to have their, you know, administrative assistant, executive assistant sit right next to them. And at that time, it was a foreign concept. How do you know if your team member is working if they don't sit next to you? Right. And so the sales process was really lengthy because we kept trying to have to oversell it. When quickly we figured out that if we started to advertise our product on a digital platform, 
Google, Facebook, and meeting people who were already tech savvy where they needed to be met and were looking for this exact service, then the sales process was short because they knew what they were looking for. And those clients who were coming to us, you know, asking all those questions and asking us to jump through the hoops, just like you're saying, they weren't our right fit. Mm -hmm. And so we weren't trying to mimic what you could get in your office. We were a different solution. Um, luckily for Amen. us, right? Luckily yeah. for us, um, you know, the world has changed and met us where we are. And now we're considered experts at that. But I, I love what you're saying that it's not about creating the exact same offering in person and online. They're two different things. It's, yes. it's different people who are looking for that. And I think it's it's important to capture that whether you're for profit or nonprofit, where you're, whether you're a church or you're a business, understanding right. who your client is and who you're trying to reach and not duplicating it, not that, that hybrid method. Yeah, 100%. And I think for the church, one of the things we have to, we have to recognize is in order to be relevant, this is one of the things that came out of the Target study too, in order to truly mm-hmm. be relevant, we have to stop caring when and where the customer purchases. Mm-hmm. Right. So a lot of yeah. times, so you look at what made Sears and JCPenney less relevant and out of business, whereas Target, Home Depot, and other stores took off, was Sears and JCPenney saw the digital platform as the new top of the funnel. In fact, you will hear this in a lot of language, uh, people talking about digital, and they say the new front door. Uh, maybe that's true. But what digital has actually done is it's kind of destroyed the funnel in a way. Uh, that's different because now people can enter in where they want and how they want at the time they want, right? And your job sure. digitally is to be available at a lot of times and, and to be through content and value add and other things, you know, you can be relevant, right? You can have good content, but but you're not using it to try to get them in the store. One of the things that was is so, it's and it's so counterintuitive, but the thing that ended up helping Home Depot and Target drive people to the store was when they stopped caring about that as the goal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they- I think I you mean, just hurt since, somebody's ego right now though, because they're just thinking, <laughs> I don't know, like that's kind of what I've always been focused on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, because people, people know, right? And if you think about it, um, what a lot of people use a digital platform for, so we interviewed Frank Blake, CEO of Home Depot, and done a lot of events and stuff with him, and he talked about, mm-hmm. um, so this is a guy who took Home Depot digital, and uh, I mean, this guy's well documented. He's 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 amazing. Yeah. But um, seven years later, for, they're the fourth largest online retailer in the country. They grew their in-store revenue by like six hundred percent. All these really 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 great things. So wow. one of the things he said though, our first attempt at the digital um, digitally was to take our online circular, right, or take our take our in our, our Sunday morning newspaper circular, yeah. and just put it online. That's a digital experience. And so the, he said that the problem with that is. When we're doing a circular, we're sitting around mm-hmm. as a team and we're thinking this week, let's talk about refrigerators and let's talk about chainsaws and let's pick the refrigerators we like and the ones we want to sell. Let's actually be honest, not the ones we like. Let's pick the ones <laughs> we want to sell. Okay. Sure. Start with yeah. what we want to sell, mm-hmm. not what the customer is looking for. And we put it in this circular and now we've put it online and we're calling it a digital experience. All right. So this week is refrigerators and chainsaws and LZ. You're coming in, right? And you're looking for power yeah. drills, right? Sure. So yeah. that's that's not a digital experience because I'm choosing what sh- what I think should be relevant to you in trying to get you to buy it. 
But the digital experience is about walking through and again, getting to a place where I am relevant by helping you find what you need at the time you need it most. And that is the big shift. And we move from trying to get people to make their first purchase, to do buy this thing, to, to be a productized solution, to focusing on content and engagement and getting to know people and bringing them in so that when they're ready, they tell us what they're looking for. That's mm-hmm. the difference. Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask next is as that relate to churches, you, you kind of gave that scenario about someone's going through a divorce or they're hurting and mm-hmm. you think you're doing a good job because you put your message online. And they sit down at 11 and they're ready to watch it. And it's about giving, um, which always <laughs> happens. You know, that's the joke. It always happens when you bring a guest to church. They're always going to talk about giving yes. on that Sunday. Yes. But what? How do you see that changing for church? Do you see that it almost becomes a message on demand? Do you see that? Uh, yeah, I know you used, talked about some digital tools, analytics that can pull out what people are looking for, but where do you see kind of that that messaging going for you know Christian communities, like for churches? Mm-hmm. How how will they meet them if you were to think big? Well, I, I go back. I go back, and I think this is one of the biggest things that churches specifically are missing right now. I I also think this is very applicable to business. So when Mm -hmm. we think of Target and Home Depot and all these big retailers, we think of them as national players, and therefore the automatic conclusion is that they have national marketing strategies. That is not correct. Right. In fact, the the VP of marketing at Target was, was very specific. Now listen to this. This is the vice president of digital marketing at Target. He is not... Related to the stores, he has no interest. I mean, he is he, his one single job at Target is growing uh, their digital marketing uh, footprint, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, the core of our digital strategy is rooted in the Target store. Meaning this is not a differentiated experience. We're not creating a competing experience. Again, everything we do is about being a solution in the communities where Target is represented, Right. And so mm-hmm. it is just a different play. So for churches, one of the big questions that, that a church thinking through this has to answer, and I think it's a silly question, to be honest, but it's the question a lot of churches are going through. Are we local? Are we regional? Are we national? You're local. <laughs> sure. <laughs> You're local. And, 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 yeah. and, and the, and the, the dissonance there, I think, is going back to this method, right? So we're married more to our methods than to our mission. Mm-hmm. And our method is to get people in a building. Our method is to get our, our sermon out to as many people as possible. So one of the questions I would challenge church leaders with specifically is, um, are you a B2C solution or a B2B solution? And what I mean by that is, is my business model to get my content, what I want you to hear from me about generosity for the next four weeks, out to as many people as possible and then compete with the other hundreds of thousands of churches, and by the way, pastors who are way better at speaking than you are, right? (laughs) Yeah. Right? To get that message and then go compete with all of those other voices on Sunday morning. Is that truly what your digital strategy is? Or is it B2B? And when when I say B2B, what I mean is, or is digital, it's a different audience, different things, are we using our digital platform to equip people to be more significant in their own communities? So what I mean by that is I, you know, and I'm not the world's, I'm not Billy Graham. Okay. But I do love Jesus. I I moved to a very post Christian part of Atlanta and I've asked, I've I've literally prayed. I'm like, Lord, if you, I want to like 
I, they're my neighbors, so I can't make it weird. But if you would, like, I would love for you to open doors just to come for mm-hmm. conversation. And he totally did. Okay. So yeah. I have a, a guy down the road. He's a total atheist, loves to come sit on my front porch. And, um, you know, and I'm not trying to convince him of anything. I'm just like, he sure. loves to talk about it. Right. I have a yeah. lesbian couple across the street who was really injured by the church. Um, there's a guy down the road dealing with uh, some mental health stuff, just being locked in his house all the time. Um, I mean, people across the street probably getting a divorce. And for whatever reason, they like to talk to me about it. What do I do with that? Yeah. What is my church helping me do? What What is available to me? I'm not equipped to have those conversations. I'm not a marriage counselor. I'm not A.W. Tozer. I'm not going to get in an environment where I'm yeah. trying to convince my guy <laughs> down the street to think differently sure. than he does. But I have created safety for those conversations. Right. I've done that. Or God's yeah. done it through me. Where am I taking them? They're not going to a church building. They're yeah. not going to a church building. And ah. I think we have to get to the realization that we have to start selling Jesus more than we sell our pastors and our churches. Amen. Because people want faith, hope, and love. They Mm -hmm. might just not want church. In fact, there's a recent study that showed there are 73 million people in America who are open to the idea of Christian content and Christian relationships who are simultaneously uninterested in church. Think about that. Yeah. That's one quarter of our U.S. population. It's crazy. Yeah, my husband and I are acting just like you are, um, and we've been given an opportunity. Um, my husband is now, uh, we, we joke around about it, but he has um, officiated two weddings. He's <sighs> done two baby dedications, um, and he's kind of hot in the funeral market, so uh, he's almost <laughs> done five um, <laughs> funerals. Wow. And it's okay. because, and it's because we have a group of people that, you know, we love who are unchurched, but are Christians. They're afraid to step foot in church, but mm-hmm. they know that they love Jesus because they see Jesus in us. And they feel way more comfortable saying, I feel like you know me and I know that you know Jesus. So will you just come along with me and make those special times in my life special? Yeah. And it doesn't feel as intimidating, right? But we were able to do that because our local church at the time had equipped us and our own faith journey. And I see that that's where ultimately Christianity and the church is going to go is it's equipping more folks like us who are just willing to have conversations and show who Jesus is. Yeah, right? 100%. And I would say just to even expound upon that. And again, this is a business concept as much as it's a Christian one, because by the way, yeah. both deal in human behavior. That's one of the things yeah. that I think is so hard. We think of church, we think of spiritual behavior, we think of business, we think of human behavior. Um, God made us both human and spiritual. Um, and right. so to, to, to play to one without the other is ignorant, right? It really is. Mm-hmm. So, so if for me though, like, I don't want to be the solution. Um, I, you know, yeah. I, I, I want to love this person. I want to be with them, but I know mm-hmm. that there's, there's better solutions than me out there. I, I, I wonder, like, here's just an example, right? We're in this digital community. Uh, people are, uh, everyone's questioning faith right now more than they ever have. And like, here's just one example. Why are we promoting you know, maybe a sermon more than we're promoting open conversations or a safe place to, you know, ask tough questions about faith and like literally just creating environments where people can log in digitally for four weeks and just ask tough questions about faith and we listen, right? So, because I, I could send him to that. I can sure. send my friend yeah. to that. Right? Absolutely. He's not going to church, but I said, hey, you know, if you really want to have some fun asking these questions to people smarter than me, I, my pastor is actually doing a talk. He's doing a thing where like yeah. Hindu people and Muslim people, and they're just going to come yeah. and ask questions about faith. You should go. 
And you know what? He would. Sure. Yeah. He would. He would go. And my couple across the street who's struggling right now, they they want their marriage to be fixed. They love each other. They just don't have the tools. And so I would love for my church to to have content specific to a growing known problem that people are really struggling in COVID right now with marriage and kids. But again, Mm -hmm. what are we doing for them? What what environments are we creating for them outside the productized version of church? So again, I think the digital platform is about getting to know people and creating a safety, a place of safety for them to come and process what's relevant and important to them. Gosh, I love this. This has been a phenomenal conversation. I'm going to hit it right now. Where can we find your ebook? Yes. So uh, <laughs> ministry-solutions.com. Uh, it's called Target uh, in the Flexible Church. Um, okay. And again, it's just a case that I think to kind of just wrap this up and, and iterate, I think one of the things that's been really awesome is to see companies like Target, like Home Depot adapt. And you're seeing market caps go from 40 to 200 billion, right? And um, yeah. and, and they're doing that to sell chainsaws and baby clothes. And it's just amazing to me as a church what we could learn. Uh, if those companies can sell billions of dollars of perishable goods, what we what we can do as a church with this imperishable message, right? And so it's been fun. Yeah. It's been amazing. I think, honestly, uh, again, we talked a lot about church, but I do feel, too, uh, sure. just the business correlations in there are just unbelievable. There's a lot to learn from these organizations and their leadership, and hats off mm-hmm. to those those teams. Uh, just uh, It was hard to walk away from that and not just have a deep appreciation for the leadership of Frank Blake and, and Brian Cornell. Yeah. Well, I think that you're bridging the gap to say that there is not that much difference between church and business. And so to your point, th- this is this is a, a message everybody needs to hear. Um, I'm going to, you know, kind of ask that we switch gears just a little bit before we close here. Um, sure. And you're a belay client. So, (laughs) and that's not just why we asked you to be part of the podcast because you're phenomenal, but I don't want to miss this opportunity um, to talk about your VHS. So uh, briefly, just tell us how she's impacted you and and your ministry. Well, I tell people um, I may be the head of the company, but she's the neck and she tells the head when and where it can turn. Um, yeah, I love that. So no, she, yeah. she's been a huge blessing for me. I think a lot of people, including me, I think, you know, mm-hmm. learning how to use a VA, um, you, I don't know, you, you think of someone who can help you with your calendar and help you with uh, scheduling. And she's become uh, more than that. She, she is an extension of me. Like we're at a place where she thinks for me that, you know, I, I learned quickly that people love hearing from her. They, if they hey, wait on me, it's going to be a week or two. And um, you know, they hear from her and she speaks for me. And I mean, it's just been, it frees me up so much to do the stuff that's important to uh, our organization. And I have someone I mm-hmm. completely trust who is able not just to handle the the administrative stuff, but literally speak and think on my behalf. And that's been, that has been a tremendous value. And no one on this podcast is allowed to steal her from me. So I just want to be clear <laughs> about that. I am keeping her <laughs> well noted. Well noted. Right. I love this. This has been so good. I feel like we have so much content here, but um, I do have yeah. one more question. So would you mind staying around and maybe we could offer a little bit of bonus content? Yeah. Heck yeah. I would love that. All right. That'd be great. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, you definitely don't want to miss this. In order to hear the clip, though, you have to subscribe to our email list and we'll send you a link to this phenomenal bonus content. Or you can visit onenextsteppodcast.com where you can find a link in our show notes. LZ, that was a fantastic conversation with Nathan Art. I feel like we just scratched the surface of that. What was your favorite takeaway? 
Yeah, I think that's a nice way of saying that uh, we had a lot to talk about because you're right. We just scratched the surface. I just wanted to keep going with Nathan. He was awesome and it was truly such a great conversation. Of course, my takeaways, I always struggle with this because I can't just pick one, but something that stood out to me was the idea that we are married more to our methods than to our mission. I'm going to say that one more time, that we are married more to our methods than our mission. And if we can decouple those two things, we can grow organically with our customers and our clients by meeting them where they are. And that's right when they need us most. All right, guys, as always, we have a one next step for you to take. This week, Nathan is offering a free download of his new book, Target Corp and the Flexible Church. Gosh, and I think that new ebook is going to be so great to read. I cannot wait to download it. Well, thank you so much for tuning in for this week's One Next Step. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. And if you're ready to start accomplishing more and juggling less, go to belaysolutions.com. For more episodes, show notes, and helpful resources, visit onenextsteppodcast.com. Join us next time for more practical business tips and tools to help you advance your business one step at a time. Start by making today count. Join us next week for a fascinating conversation with Jason Drees, the CEO of Jason Drees Coaching and the author of Do the Impossible, Unlock Your Full Potential with the Power of Mindset. He'll chat with us about cultivating a mindset that positions you for success, fulfillment, and adventure. Here's a quick preview. 2019, my coaching business, Jason Drees Coaching, was Jason Drees. One coach. 100000 in revenue that year. 2020, we did a million. Last year, we did 2.5 million, which was about 2.5x after 10xing. And basically what I am teaching everybody is my dissection of how I did what I did. We all know that life responds to us. Sometimes life responds to us great, and sometimes life doesn't respond to us and things don't go our way. What I have discovered is the framework for how to make life respond to you more effectively. Thanks for listening to One Next Step. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. Then join us next time for more practical business tips and tools to help you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence. For more episodes, show notes, and helpful resources, visit onenextsteppodcast.com.